Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. Everybody, welcome to the latest uh, episode, podcast episode of Conversations of Change. You're with Dr. Jen. It's been a little bit of time between drinks. Um, very important reason for those who aren't up to speed. I've launched a new company, the Agile Change Leadership Institute with Lena Ross, where we're offering uh, online capability um, sorry, online certificate programs for leaders looking to upskill in agile change. We're also offering in-house workshops for agile change practitioners, so change managers looking how to do their work in agile environments. And we also have a, ca a change capability program for managers in your organisations who are struggling with new ways of working. I'll put links in the show notes uh, on that for you. So that's what's been keeping me busy. But it is with great joy um, that I've been able to come back to this podcast and in particular bring to you some really interesting work that's been done uh, by a previous client of mine, Oricon, and I'd like to welcome to the podcast Dr. Andrew Ma, Chief Digital Officer. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much, Jen. Hey, it's, um, it's pretty cool to have you on here. This is a Chief Digital Officer is not the most common place of roles. Tell us, what does a Chief Digital Officer actually do? Well, Jen, I think over 100 years ago, you would have been saying the same thing about the Chief Electricity Officer. <laughs> and there were, there were a few of those at the time who were helping um, firms move from steam engines uh, and hooking them up into the electrical grid. And uh, once that job was done, we didn't have chief electricity officers, so um, the CEO became the, C the chief executive officer, I suppose. But um, at the moment, we have quite a few chief digital officers around the place, and our jobs or job is to uh, hook um, pretty much existing firms not the startups and so forth, they don't really need this sort of thing, but hook up existing companies uh, into, the, into the digital world and uh, rethink ways of working, look at business models and uh, think about the sorts of services that we might be offering in the future. So it's a transformation role really mm -hmm. and it's one that I would not expect to be around in the years ahead. That sounds, I, I really enjoyed that as an analogy, but it's now got me curious. What do you think you're going to be doing in 20 years' time? Well, what I was doing beforehand, and um, <laughs> the thing is someone asked me to reflect on my career recently and they said, what do you think sums up your career? And I thought, it's just dealing with change. That's all I've ever done. <laughs> um, and so, so, but I, I trained as an architect and that's where my PhD is tonight as yeah. um, architecture. So. Um, I, and, I, and I've maintained my architectural registration, although I'm not doing too much of it right at this moment. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, I think when I land and they uh, on a plane and they ask me to fill in the uh, what's your occupation, I don't write down chief digital officer, I write down architect. So, <laughs> you know, and architects deal with design, they deal with they deal yeah. uncertainty, those sorts of things. So yeah. it's, it's, um, it's what I was always trained to do. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Andrew, digital transformation, bit of a buzzword, um, and the more I speak with leaders, the more I find that it has 
a very different meaning to different people. What does digital transformation mean to you? Well, I suppose I gave a little bit of a, a way before, but it really is about um, really is about thinking about um, the ways of working and um, looking at the way that technology has impacted um, that role, skills, and um, and so there's an element of transitioning uh, existing employees and and helping helping them um, think about how they're going to work in the future. So that's, it's the working side of things. And there's an optimization bit of it. So looking at what what we offer and what we do at the moment, and is that is that the way that we should be doing it? And then there's an opportunity side of it as well. So it's balancing up um, the optimization um, through digital um, tools, techniques, ideas, uh, with the opportunities of well, what could we offer into the future? And um, and what are what are the new opportunities for us? So that transformation is from going from one way to, to another way, really. And you know, for, for for Oricon, which is a it's a professional services company, it's engineering design um, around infrastructure and buildings. I mean, we're still going to be doing that. You could in in the future. It's just that we'll be doing it in a different way. And and there are things that we don't do at the moment that we will be doing in the future. And, and that, that's really exciting to think about what are the new sorts of things that we'll be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, one of the reasons why I was really keen to, to have you on the podcast is that you guys have just uh, produced the first of a three-part research program, I think it is, um, with the first one being the Digital Landscape Report. And it had some really interesting stuff in it. And I think what I'm always looking at when I'm working with clients is what's on the horizon. So whilst they may have a sense of um, this is the change we, we need to design for, it's almost how, to, how are we ready for the change of the future? And I think we got some good insights in, in your digital landscape report. Can you tell us um, how did that come about? What was the process and perhaps the research that went into it? Well, it started three years ago, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to do a bit of a litmus test um, to to think about um, or to understand if we were going to start offering services, or you know, what might those services be, and what and because you know we exist because our clients buy our services, what were our clients thinking? And so we did a a piece three years ago, and we called it uh, our digital future, and we went out and we did in depth interviews. Um, with with our clients all around the world, and then we we went through it all and looked for common topics, and and we grouped those topics into themes, and we, we brought together four themes. And for me, that was really a sort of a, a state of play at a current state assessment at the mm-hmm. time three years ago, and we have just seen things move so quickly, which mm-hmm. is you know a reason why I think I'm I'm going to be out of this role you know before I know it. Um, because, um, uh, you know, there is a great deal of transformation going on. And so it was really time to go back and uh, understand, you know, what, what, what the current thoughts were and also to get a sense of where people were thinking, what, what they were thinking about for the future as well. So the, the, next, um, the next Our Digital Futures, as you said, it's broken up into three parts, which we've released the first one, the... The landscape, which is to understand mm-hmm. the current, the updated state, I suppose, 
and um, yeah, so it's a continuation, and we'll we'll do it again as well. Yeah, great. Um, I felt that there was quite broad application in this, so it wasn't just about Oricon's clients. Um, what's your view on this in terms of what's the user case? Who, how can leaders use this report? Yeah, that's right. So the, one of the main things we did this time was, and for me, it was really about getting some action behind what's happening in the future, because you know I picked a few things that I could see three years ago. You know this is the North Star, this is where we're going, this is, you know, going to be the future. And very, very quickly the future hit us with a thump. Yeah. And so one th one of the things I've done is employ a futurist mm -hmm. and um, and she is, and, and this time with this research, we um, she got together with um, her network and her network's network and we actually went out and we, interviewed uh, not just our clients, but we went, went out and interviewed futurists all around the world to get their ideas as well. And that'll be coming in, in, in the next lot of reports. And that's also helped influence what the questions would be. So the first stage was to go around and talk with these people um, in, in, in many countries and, um, and to, get a, to get a really a, a global view of... Um, of and we, we still were looking at where a firm, you know, a professional services firm might operate, but with not just within um, our client's realm, but to mm. also give our client a sense of, you know, that the world was changing. And, and they want to also look beyond their own organisations as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's often really tempting um, to benchmark within your industry, but I, I think it's so much more valuable when you benchmark outside of your industry, you know, um, yeah. and look for, for what else is out there. And it's, um, also, it's, also, it's also good with, with you know, because when we're looking at construction, we often think of that as being a laggard industry, or at least yeah. you know, many people in construction do. So, um, uh, but, but it, construction is benchmarked against other industries as being laggard. So it's, it's you know, if you, if you were only to look at construction, it would just, it wouldn't give you anything really. Yeah, it's actually, it's something that came up this morning. Um, I was hosting part of the Agile Change Leadership Institute. Uh, we're hosting regular breakfasts with leaders um, and running lean coffees with them. So discuss what what's their, their challenges in leading Agile transformation. And one of them came up with this, this challenge that we're in a laggard industry and, you know, this whole notion of business agility well, you can't do these things in an agile way. This isn't about products, and and so from a construction perspective, does can you do that in a, a agile way? You know, can you have an MVP of a bridge? What's how does that translate into your world? Yeah, of course you can, because um, there are some really interesting characteristics of construction. Mm. One is um, that it's project based, and many many hugely vertically integrated. Um, firms and industries have tried to reinvent themselves to become more project-based. But construction has forever been project-based. Well, not forever, but at least for the last um, um, 150 years it's been project-based. Yeah. Um, and so it's very much, it's very um, used to having different organisations come together and form around a project and then uh, disband and move on to the next project. What it's really bad at is taking new knowledge that gets created on those projects and new knowledge is always created on those projects and taking that back to either the, um, the parent organisation or onto the next project. And so that's where new ways of thinking about um, knowledge, uh, knowledge sharing um, 
and and change back into the parent organisation, you know, they're the opportunities that we need to mm. um, um, grasp now. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the findings yeah, certainly, is certainly, certainly there, there. You know, I don't think you can. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic position to be in to be able to look at other other industries and and learn from them. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's critical and, and you know, I've, I've spoken about this before from a personal perspective. I put a lot of stock in what I call horizontal learning um, in that learning outside of my field or introducing ideas from outside of my field into my current practice um, is really, really important and I think the same approach stands for, for organisations. Um, now, one of the things that struck me in the report it said that not many key decision makers understand what going digital means. Really? Are we still saying this? Like in terms of that, am I, uh, I, I've, I found that one a bit interesting. I would have thought that we had more people in senior roles understanding what going digital means. No, it's, um, that's, that's still the situation we find ourselves in. And I think that is also a key marker about which will, if you go a bit further into an organisation, you'll find out how far, whether they're just spinning their wheels or whether they are really making uh, headroads into transformation. It's, it's, it's whether it's being led and understood and communicated from the top. Um, if, the, if the key decision makers have got, have got little idea about what it is and are just paying lip service to it, very unlikely to be going anywhere. Oh, it's a bit bleak. It's a bit bleak. It doesn't suit the optimist within, Andrew. Well, um, it's, it's an opportunity, Jen. <laughs> it is. It is. It's the, 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 opportunity, the opportunity to say, well, while, every, while all the others are asleep at the wheel, we yeah. can get here and do something. In fact, yeah. some, somebody, said to me, um, somebody said to me recently, um, a, leader, a leader of, a, of another um, firm said we we couldn't understand what Oricon was doing for a long time. We just thought they'd lost their way, and now we realise they're way, way ahead of us. And I took that as being the best compliment I could I could get. But it just makes me want to work harder rather than uh, yeah take it for granted. Yeah, I can get that. I, I see that. I think um, one of the other probably more optimistic lines I read in the report was around. Many organisations believe that digital will allow them to be more efficient and prolong the life and utility of their assets. And obviously, you know, again, I get a lot of one of the obstacles to change in organisations is we want to sweat the asset and, you know, we, we don't want extensive tech debt in the organisation. And it sort of strikes me that there's a contradiction there. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yes, well, yeah. I mean, you could take that as being look, just just let, leave everything in place. Um, mm. But um, no, I mean, y y there's another way of looking at it as well. In fact, you know, we had a, we had a client recently who said, look, if we can do a deep dive into data and analytics around how we use our assets and um, and how we can better utilize them and better optimize them, then. We, we will put off um, any more capital expenditure. Mm. And in that, in that sort of scenario, you think that they were actually saying, well, look, we need to think about what we've got differently. Um, and, and so therefore that was their route into, into a whole new area of, of thinking. Um, mm -hmm. But so it, it, depends, it depends on the perspective of, of the client. If it's just, um, just leave us alone and, and we'll just leave everything in place, then yes, they're not gonna go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Respondents didn't see digital as particularly important in generating revenue. 
Did this surprise you? Because, again, as you probably heard by my tone of voice, it really surprised me. It, it was the biggest shock of, of, of um, everything, it, of all of the um, results, really, to see that. Uh, I just, I, w- I was, yeah, just amazed that people were not looking. You know, they're looking. So, so what it does show is that they're thinking, well, we've got the existing organisation. How do, how do we speed it up? How do we optimise it um, with everything that's in place? And... Um, but but there is you know but it, but we'll just run with the same model, just operating faster into the future. And yeah, you will very quickly spin yourself into the ground. I think if you if you do that, because your your current operating model may not be built for the future that's coming very quickly at you. And if you're not thinking about well, how do you generate your um, revenue, and is that what clients want from you anymore? It doesn't matter how fast you do it. It will disappear, and you know there's lots of famous examples of, of yeah. um, organisations do that and don't um, aren't around with us anymore. So that was the biggest shock for me that people weren't looking at that. It, I, I think, one of the things that um, struck me, and so maybe this is a reflection of if you haven't been through some form of digital transformation with organisations, you don't know its potential. You don't realise that it opens up an interconnection with customers and clients and employees, which is around new knowledge, new ideas, all that kind of stuff. So what you think is your revenue now could be completely different in 18 months' time when you've got these expanded networks through digital platforms. Um, But maybe you've kind of got to go through it once or twice to actually understand the potential. And if you haven't been through it, you actually can't see that potential. It could be, and it could also be that you know. And people, um, you hear you hear people saying, "Oh, you know, we've got initiative overload," and um, and that's a common you know phrase to sort of say, "Leave us alone." Yeah. But it's not necessarily just um, uh, around digital transformation. It could be anything that you want to do, which involves change. Um, but yes, if you do have a capacity to change, and if you are going through some change or another, it it will build. A resilience and a capacity to say, okay, well, um, and especially if it's well communicated. If it's not hmm. well communicated, then um, that doesn't do anything for anybody. But yeah. I think I think you're right. Yes, if there, if you do go through it a number of times, and you're going to have to keep going through it at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, it's been it's well, that being open to I don't know what the future holds. Yep. Yep. Too is you see when we. We, we do little proof of concepts around ideas that we have and when we do them and you, you look at the new skills that are going to be required and you look at the new types of work that are going to come along, you can't help but be optimistic. And so you do, you do, you do have that sense on, on one side but then you also know that unless you provide training and help people adjust, there will be winners and there will be losers. Um, mm. you know, and I'm not just talking within, within our firm but I'm talking society more broadly. Yeah. Um, and and so it will be hard for some people to adjust, and and for some people, you know, what what they're doing will, will disappear, mm. and it may be that they do fall through the cracks, and that's where society needs to um, come in and help. But mm. um, not every, not everyone is going to be a winner um, when society changes. Yeah, I think you know automation is a really good topic of that vein, in that it feels like we've got a really polarized public narrative around automation and it's either it's doom and gloom and you know the robots are coming and 
we'll all we'll all be ruined, or it's this oh no, you don't know what the jobs of the future are going to be, and you know you who've only ever done this mechanical manual process all of your life will be able to morph into this new digital way of working. Um, it doesn't feel like there's a middle ground there at the moment. Yeah, so I like to um, I like to sometimes on uh, LinkedIn or on social media I'll post something when I when I see something you know that where I can get a sense of where there's some new skills that are going to be required in the future or somebody's done something small but you can see how it'll expand I'll put it there and I'll tag it you know skills for the future or something like that because mm. you know having having small examples like that gives people an indication of what's um what's coming but if you just say don't worry, everything will be fine. It's doesn't not very helpful either. Yeah, actually, I, I quite like that as an approach. That's a good one. Um, the survey results showed a spread in who should own digital. So speaking of polarised, this was actually um, far from polarised. It was all over the place. What's your view on the answer to this question? Who should own digital in organisations? Well, my view is that it needs to be a business owner and it needs to be a senior business owner. And we are seeing a spread of um, titles. So it's not just about chief digital officers. There are there are other other roles, managing directors for digital and um, chief um, no no um, uh, chief digital executives and th things yeah. like this. But it, but it's what it, fundamentally I think it's if the, the business needs to own it, and um, and it needs to be it needs to be at the very top of the organisation, so in the C suite, at the uh, with a seat at the table, and uh, at the decision making table. And the ones who are getting confused, um, but say yes, we're doing some sort of digital transformation, are those that have handed it over to IT. And th this is really interesting for me because the where it sits with IT, I IT is a very mature. Um, uh, area of business now and there are very few organisations that are developing their own IT programs. They really, they, what they are is a, uh, a very good set of uh, project managers and people who can implement new um, bits of software and so forth but from vendors and so largely what they're doing is vendor management and IT. Now that is not around um, really thinking about what new business models are or what the skills of the future need to be. So the, the organisations that have just sort of handballed it over to IT are also, are, are also the ones that are saying we're actually not sure where this is going or what it means for our business. Mm. Um, and you can see why they pair it up with IT, but it's, it's a fundamental mistake to do so. Mm. So it's where, it's, where the, it's, it's where it sits within the business and at the top level is, is where we can see organisations really um, picking it up and moving with it. Mm, interesting. I, I, I have mm. to say, I still don't know myself. Like, um, I don't have a firm opinion on this. And and the more I work in organisations, I see different potential homes for it that that make sense. And I'm, I also see some really great IT areas that you go, actually, that's they've taken their their understanding of IT beyond you know, what we would have thought, and they're doing great work with it. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, and that's like any other part of the business. You need to be doing that. And, yeah. But, it, but, if, but in IT, if you, it's, it's at such a mature stage that you really have to be thinking about who the best vendors are to be working with 
Um, but once you're working with vendors, you're also um, you're also um, playing in a red ocean where anybody else can go and pick off those vendors. So yeah. it's not really necessarily giving you um, uh, a difference in the marketplace. Well, I guess also so you when you fundamentally have to do it. Yeah, I, I guess also when you're in you know a mature space it's a lot harder to unlearn what you know um you know there's that beauty of beginner's mindset too in not knowing things and and designing completely different because you actually don't know the answers um, yeah there's many more paths there's fewer yeah. paths in a mature market yeah you've got some great case studies in the report um i was of course curious about um insights on the organizational change that was needed to result in the outcomes that your case studies talk about. Um, did you get the opportunity to capture much of that in the conversations? Appreciate you can't fit everything in a report. Yes, we did. Yeah. And I, I think, I think um, you know, with all of them, you could, you know, and the successful ones, the, the biggest challenge was really the leadership and getting the commitment of the leadership and yeah. um, to... To, to own it, both own it and to communicate it to the rest of the organisation and that it was across different parts of the organisation. It, it doesn't just sort of sit off on its side um, mm. somewhere. So um, that was probably a common a common theme was that the, the leadership had had taken this on and had gone to the, to the lengths of actually really getting a deep understanding of what it meant for the organisation. That was... Yeah, that was it's incredible. so important. So it important. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we often, you know, in working in change consulting, we often focus on change readiness. Now, you called out five elements in that were critical in the research data. So, um, upskilling staff, improving the uh, improve automate systems, transform your business model, develop new products and services, and manage assets. Again, I was really surprised with this because I didn't see mindset in there and. Um, you know, from a change readiness perspective, from the work I do, the mindset is everything. Was that, did that come through at all or was it just not there? No, no, that's absolutely there. But I, for me, I, um, it's really an overarching cultural requirement that's important to all of those elements. Yep. So um, not one to be singled out on its own, but um, you, you absolutely need to have um, changing mindset. Um, mm. That's that's key, critical. And I think... And that, uh, we link that in with the communication as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important from the perspective we say it's an overarching, but it's often the one that's missing. So they're still trying to do those other five areas, but without the mindset there and um, and finding that it gets quite frustrating with what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Um, if you look back over your career, so you mentioned at the, the beginning that your career, that the common theme has been change, and you've also talked about the importance of communication, what what would you say have been the hallmarks of great organisational change that you have experienced? The When anything um, really moved, the, the hallmarks have been that the people at the top of the organisation said, now is the time, we need to do this, um, you get on with it and go ahead with it, but we, we're backing you. And I think for me that is the, that, that is the um, whether, you're, whether you're a first mover, whether you're a fast follower, it doesn't matter. But if you don't have that, then that's the, 
you know, if someone just says, look, we think it's interesting, off you go off to one side and just develop something interesting, come back and tell us at some point, you, you won't go anywhere. But having the leadership engaged and directing it um, and owning it as well is has been really is the key thing to have anything move. Yeah. yeah. What what would be your advice? So a new leader comes to you looking for advice on sponsoring digital transformation. What are you going to tell them? Uh, I, so what, what I'm going to ask them the same, some of the same questions that you've asked me today. What, what, does, it mean, what does it mean to you? Yeah. Um, where is it going to sit in the organisation? Are you personally in, invested in, in making this happen? And, you know, I, don't, I won't want to... I won't, be um, expecting to hear about the minutiae of what it what it needs to be, you know, here, here or there. But it's it's really the the narrative of of um, is it is it a guiding principle for where the organisation has to go? What does it mean for the people within the organisation? Are they going to be supported and that sort of thing? That's 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 the sort of narrative that that I'd expect to be hearing from a leader who is going to be engaged with it. And yeah. um, and that's the way I'd guide the conversation as well with um, and people do come and ask people come and ask for lots of lessons and I go into the way that we've structured things here and you know yeah. how we measure progress and all that sort of thing all of that has to be in place but you need the you need the person at the top of the organization to say it's time to do it and um, and and it's time to do it for broader societal um, reasons than just um, guess what we need to make sure tick the box on the list yeah 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 Excellent. Um, are you up for a quick game of word association? Sure. <laughs> okay. Five qualities uh, in change leadership. What does vulnerability mean to you? Uh, being prepared to um, say you don't know. Mm -hmm. What does empathy mean to you? Uh, think understanding um, that actually even though you've, you've understood everything that not necessarily everybody has and uh, not expecting them all to be at the same point at the same time. Excellent. Curiosity. Follow your nose and go and, go and do some experiments. Find Courage. Out make, make sure that you're interested when you turn up to work. Okay. That was, that was still curiosity? Yep. Okay. Courage. Uh, even though nobody is uh, prepared for it, you're going to get up there and explain as to why you have to go down this path. That is brave stuff. Last one, self-compassion. <laughs> oh, just um, I, I, I sort of think about, think of um, the way that I work in, in cycles. So... Um, I need to go out and just and run around and talk about things and explain what we're doing and engage people, but then I also need to have the time where I just like go away and just have some contemplative time. So I need to make sure that I'm looking after after me as well, otherwise um, it will just be exhausting. That's sensational. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew, you've been fantastic um, with such generosity of your time and your thoughts on this. Let me check in. Is there anything that our listeners can do for you? What do you want them to know or do coming out of this podcast? Well, I think, you know, if people, um, 
if if people you know just I think if people were excited about what um, about about the changes that they can see, if they can do something about encouraging um, younger people with with what they might do in the future and what skills they might develop in order to thrive in in the in the world that's that we're entering our into, I think that would be um, fantastic because as somebody who has um, children about to enter university, mm-hmm. it's, I, think, I think about that a lot. I think about, well, what are the skills that um, people are going to need? So I think, you know, going and talking and, and offering people opportunities to come in and we run a whole lot of internships and that sort of thing to, so that people, um, you know, can, can test themselves in the workforce and test their ideas. I think I'd like people to open themselves up for, for that. That sounds an admirable path forward. Andrew Ma, thank you so much for your time on this Conversations of Change. Thank you, Jen. You've been listening to A Conversation of Change with Dr Jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn?